Hey folks, I'm going to try something a little new here. In place of a newsletter, I'm going to take a shot at recording a podcast. Thank you in advance for listening. In this 10-minute podcast, we're going to cover the reasons the stock market is where it is at today, the coming election, and the underappreciation of the Federal Reserve Bank. First, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any specific securities. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and all investing involves risk. The views expressed are those of North Country Wealth Management and do not necessarily reflect the views of Mutual Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Investment advisory services are offered through Mutual Advisors, LLC, North Country Wealth Management, and SEC-registered investment advisor. I'm beginning to hear a lot of questions and concerns about the coming election and the stock market's movements that seem to ignore the fragile state of the economy. A lot of people think that the market is behaving irrationally given the extreme economic challenges of the pandemic and the dysfunction in Washington. But I think the market is behaving much more rationally than we give it credit for, and the fact that the market is hitting new highs really does make perfect sense. And the most simple explanation for the stock market's success is an abundance of money and wealth that's been created. Now, some of the credit for that wealth creation can be attributed to the mind-blowing technology boom that continues to accelerate into all facets of the economy. The stock market is dominated by the big six tech, tech firms, and you all know the names. Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, and Amazon. The combined value of these companies is now approaching $8 trillion, according to Standard & Poor's. These six companies alone make up more than 25% of the S&P 500. And if it weren't for the tech industry and the wealth that's been created because of it, the stock market would be nowhere near what it is today. But aside from our tech industry creating massive amounts of wealth, our government has injected our economy full of cash. And ultimately, this cash needs to find a home. In 2017, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act lowered income tax for individuals, especially those with higher incomes in low-tax states. It also lowered tax rates for corporations and created a tax holiday allowing overseas profits to be repatriated at a lower tax rate. This newly injected capital set off a spree of stock buybacks, where corporations repurchase shares of their own stock on the open market, resulting in fewer outstanding shares, which then in turn can cause their share prices to rise. In addition to stimulating the stock market with tax cuts, the Fed started slashing interest rates in December of 2018 after a failed attempt at tightening monetary policy and increasing interest rates. And that leads us to the COVID-19 pandemic, where the Federal Reserve once again aggressively cut interest rates, implemented new monetary easing, and signaled to investors that there would be no end to the amount of corporate and municipal debt that they would be willing to purchase on the open market. And just three weeks into the pandemic, the concerns of anxious bond investors were completely erased. Now understand that when the Federal Reserve says it's going to buy something, that means it's going to create new money to purchase it. And so far, the Fed has created, out of thin air, nearly $4 trillion year-to-date and injected this money into the economy. And the price of our currency has barely budged. Understand how incredibly fortunate we are to live in a country where this is possible. Now, we also have to acknowledge that Congress acted quickly. They did their job in a bipartisan fashion to pass a $2 trillion aid package, which included fiscal stimulus and direct relief to unemployed workers.
To put it simply, the pandemic destroyed trillions of dollars of wealth. The government used the tools they had at their disposal to replace those dollars that were destroyed. But for printing and spending all that money, what did we get in return? Well, first and foremost, the government actions likely saved us from a depression-like scenario. Through a shotgun approach to reviving the economy, I believe they were quite successful in preventing an epic disaster. But it was far from free. On a per capita basis, we've outspent the hell out of other countries. And because of that, the federal deficit has absolutely exploded. The 2020 deficit is estimated to be as high as $4.2 trillion, at least according to the Congressional Budget Office. For context, that's nearly 10 times what the federal deficit was in 2015. And for the nation who spent the most, wouldn't you expect to get the most? Wouldn't you expect a result that is proportionate to the amount of money that was spent? But this pandemic isn't even close to over. Millions of people are unemployed. A challenging winter is coming. And we're on the brink of doubling down on four more years of a president who shows little evidence of caring for anyone but himself. Yes, the stock market is doing well. And that is very helpful to the economy. And our president would have you believe that the stock market is doing well because of him because of his government. I would argue that the stock market is doing well in spite of Donald Trump and his government. Yes, the government has made contributions, but it's the Federal Reserve that we have to thank for this. And the Federal Reserve is a nonpartisan, independent government body. And no party can take credit for the job that the Federal Reserve has done. Especially now, the Federal Reserve is one of the most important institutions in our government and has added immensely to the welfare of our economy. But we seem to take the Fed's power for granted, and we are at risk of jeopardizing this institution through neglect of our other institutions. The Fed's power comes as a result of the contributions of generations of entrepreneurs and innovators whose blood, sweat, and tears helped to build this country's economy to what it is today. It is our economy and our people that give the Fed its power, not Donald Trump. And that brings us to the election. I hear the same questions and concerns every election where one candidate is perceived as being better for the stock market than the other. There's a perception that the Republican Party is better for the stock market than the Democratic Party. The reality is that since Harry Truman was elected in 1945, which is considered to be the dawn of the modern political era, the stock market has done better under Democratic leadership, period and Democrats have a better record when it comes to fiscal responsibility, with Republicans contributing more to the national debt than Democrats, which should compel one to question the Republican Party's claim that they are the party of fiscal responsibility. Now, let me be clear. I don't believe the stock market's success has much to do at all with what party's in office. The fact that the stock market has fared better under Democratic leadership is not proof that we're better off under Democratic leadership. But it is proof that the stock market does not do better under Republican leadership. Just think about how silly it is for a president to take credit for the, sex, for the success of the companies in our free and open markets. Can Barack Obama or Donald Trump take credit for the success of Apple and Amazon? Of course not. But can Apple and Amazon make a claim that they've contributed to the stock market success? 
Absolutely. Way too much credit is given to presidents who happen to govern during times of economic expansion, and too much blame is cast when things don't go as well. Luck is a far better explanation. Now let's take a look at this election. Joe Biden has a substantial lead. The stock market acts as a very efficient aggregator of all available information and a finder of consensus expectations about the future. The consensus expectation is that Joe Biden will win the presidential election. And two weeks away from the election, the market is doing just fine with this information. This election is not about liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican. It's about whether or not you believe government is important. In our short history, we've become the wealthiest, most innovative nation on earth at the most incredible time in history to be alive. And our government does have a role in this. Yes, government is important, especially in the middle of the worst economic disaster since the Great Depression. Our founding fathers were incredible people who built an incredible foundation. But our government is not indestructible, and the institutions that help make up our government need to be cared for. These institutions are deserving of our scrutiny, our skepticism, and high standards, but they don't deserve our ignorance. On November 3rd, we have an opportunity to come together and elect a politically moderate leader who's a decent man, a man who loves the country, and understands that the job of the president is to unite the people and fill his cabinet with smart, qualified leaders. He's not without flaws, and he's not the cure for COVID. He's not going to make the stock market go up, and if you're fortunate enough to make over $400,000, you'll probably see your tax bill increase. But he does not pose a threat to our institutions like the current president, at least in my opinion. And that makes Joe Biden the fiscally responsible choice. He is the only choice in this election that represents a step in the right direction. I hope we can all agree that it's time to move on. Thank you for listening.